Before we really get going this morning, I just want to ask this question. I know it's going to require participation, but I think you have the ability. If you're here today, and in the last year, let's just say in the last year you've gotten a new job, new opportunity. I just want you to stand on your feet. You got a new job, stand up. Yeah, you, you got a pay increase on the job. You stand up and join. Stay standing, would you? Would you just stand, stay standing? Maybe you're driving a new vehicle that you didn't have last time. Or, or you know, maybe you got a new house. Got, you, you, know, you got a new house. So I want you to stand too. Um, just look around the room. We're just barely getting started. It'll only take a minute, and everybody in the room is going to be standing. Because in the middle of recession, in the middle of hard times, God's still blessing your life. And the enemy quite often wants you to focus on what you don't have and be oblivious to what you do. But today is Thanksgiving weekend. I think we all ought to stand and give God thanksgiving. Amen. Come on, come on, somebody. Just lift, lift up a praise to God. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, tell him. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen. God's been good to you. I said, God's been good to you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Magnify your name. Amen. Look at somebody. Say, it's good to be with me. Amen. God's on your side. God's on our side. It doesn't mean he's on our team. It means he's on our side. He's walking through life with us. Here we are. You know, and the, you know, if you listen to the world report, it's like everything's going to hell in a handbasket. And here we are standing. Well, we're blessed. We're on the increase, on the upswing. We just, you know, I think sometimes the devil, he, he wants you to focus on things. And, you know, I'm not saying they're not real. I'm just saying they really don't matter. Some of the stuff that we hyper-focus on. You know, we're looking at circumstances and situations. Circumstances simply means, that word simply means the circle in which you stand. All you got to do to change your circumstances is move three feet to the left. You'll have a whole new set of circumstances. They might be better, they might be worse, but circumstances aren't the issue. It's final outcome that's the issue. Right? And so you gotta you gotta focus on the on the final outcome. Where's God taking you? What is he gonna produce in your life? What what character is going to to bring uh you know up in your life that's gonna sustain? It's it's not a momentary thing. It's a it, it, it's it's what's gonna last. The things which are temporal, those are the things which are seen. That's the Bible says we don't live by that which is seen, but that which is unseen. Because that which is seen is temporal, and that which is unseen is eternal. There are some things that you haven't seen yet that are going to come on the scene that are going to change everything, and it's going to last forever, right? And you just got to remember that stuff. You know, re- tell you what, a great read, and, and we're not, I don't have a super long message for you today. I, I know you've you got to get out of here, but uh, let, let, me just, let, let, me, <laughs> let, let me just share some stuff with you, just like, like, a, like a post-message, no, pre-message. This would be pre, wouldn't it, unless we were doing it backwards. So let's do a post-message, then we'll do the message, and then I'll do a pre-message. We'll back in time. By the way, it's been good having you home, buddy. You, you, want, you want to stand and say hi? You want to greet the people? You want to, you want to preach? You want to? <laughs> oh, TJ wants to speak this morning. 
<laughs> all right. All right. It's just good to have my, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for my, my family and good to have them all here. Dave and Bonnie, it's good that you're with us. And, um, read the book of Jonah. Don't you, you know, Jonah's cool. I love the fact that in the Bible it says that God prepared a great fish for Jonah. I think it's hilarious that God prepared a great fish for Jonah. He did not prepare Jonah for a great fish. How many times in the story does it say he went down? Right? See, the Bible, the Bible starts off in Jonah. It says, uh, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah saying, see, he's a lot like you. He's got a word from God, instruction from God. Jonah received instruction from God, just like us. He's a lot like us because it says, so he, you know, God said, get up and go that way. So Jonah got up and went that way. He's just like you, Ron. All of us have gone the wrong way. But read how many times he went down. He went down. He went down. He went down to the boat. He went down to the bottom of the boat. He went down into the bottom of the boat to the bottom of the boat. And then he went, he got thrown overboard and he went down into the water and he went down to the belly of a great fish. You, you know, anytime you're running from God, it is a downer. Right? But he makes an, an incredible statement in chapter 2. You know, the first three words of chapter 2 are really cool. It says, then Jonah prayed. This might be your then. You know, where, where, the, where the, the bars of hell, you know, wrapped themselves around him and, and seaweeds wrapped around his head. You think you're having a bad week. You know, this dude's on a fast, a forced fast. Well, unless he's into sushi, then he's, he's cool. But uh, he's, if three days and three nights in the belly of hell. But he makes this statement. I think it's about verse 8. It says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. It seems like it's really out of place. What a weird thing to say and what a weird time to say it. You're in the belly of a great fish, seaweeds wrapped around your head, and you make that statement. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Have you ever read when Jonah, or not Jonah, Moses was walking, and he said, it says there was a burning bush, and he said, I will now stop and see this great sight. Do you really think he said that? That just seems so out of weird, out of place. But Jonah, they that observe lying vanities, what is that? They that look at what is seen. It's a lying vanity. It's a lying vanity. You're looking at seaweed and bars. That's a lie. You know, a lot of stuff that's going on in your life, a lot of the circumstances, that's a lie. I mean, you look around the room, people are standing up and they're blessed. And, and yet you, if you observe lying vanities, oh, we're in the middle of a recession, we can barely make it. That's a lie. The word recession means a response to a given report. Well, choose to respond to a different report. You know, recession, well, are you saying recession isn't real? No, I'm saying I really don't care. There are not enough words in the English dictionary to tell you how much I don't care. Why? Because I don't participate in it. I've got a different report. I've got a report from God. I'm looking at the end, not the middle. In the middle, stuff can get tough, but at the end. Well, I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out, above only, not beneath. I'm the headlight, not the taillight. Hello, somebody. He said that if you observe lying vanities, you forsake your own mercy. What is that mercy? That's the love of God that's being poured out on your life. You know, if you've been born again, saved, rescued from the jaws of hell, it's because God loves you. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. It, it was his love that 
caused Jesus to be, you know, in that position to, to, to rescue you. If you've been healed in your body, if you've been blessed in your finances, if you've, if you've got a sound mind, if you can inhale, it's because of God's love. And if you observe lying vanities, you forsake that love. See, it, it isn't your faith that's going to produce great things. It's his faithfulness. You know, I, I got to tell you something. Sometimes we get to act like if I got greater faith than you do, it, it doesn't matter. It is his faithfulness that causes all good things to occur in your life. It's just because he's good. And if you buy into the lie, that's what the enemy, see John 10, 10, the thief came not but to kill, steal, and destroy. The enemy came to rip from your grip what God came to put in your hand. God life. The enemy doesn't want you to have what God provided for you. So he'll lie to you. And if you focus on the lie, you'll forsake the mercy. See, here's the deal. Is that in all of our commitments, see, the enemy messes with the way we think, right? The way we feel. Our feelings are really out of whack. The way we make our choices. We end up lining up with a, with a secular system of logic that, it, that is at war with God. You live in an environment that is at war with God. Hello? You, you can sit out in the corner of, 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 the, you know, of a, any building you want to. You can go down to City Hall and sit cross-legged with your hands out and, and mm, for all day long. Everybody walk by and they just, well, that's cool. Take your Bible out. Now, we got a different story. Why? Because the world system is at war with God. You guys need to understand something. That you're bombarded with messages every single day, 365 days a year. Hollywood has an agenda. Oh, did I hurt your feelings? No, you be careful. I best not say anything mean about Oprah. Well, I guess I can't say anything there. They have an agenda. And it is not to promote your understanding of God's word. It is to justify a lifestyle that's separated from it. The, the enemy wants to mess with the way you think. You know how your brain works? Your, your cognitive mind runs at about 200, 250 words a minute. You know, that's if you're pretty sharp. Your non-cognitive mind runs at about 3,500 words a minute. In other words, there's all kinds of stuff that you're aware of that you're not even aware that you're aware of it. Some of you aren't even aware of what I just said. <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff going on that your brain is locking onto that you're not even thinking about. It's just because of the way you've, been, you've been trained now, and you pick up on stuff, and you just keep going. You just deal with it. You know, it's, it's, you're driving down the road, and you see a car swerving in the snow, and you, you automatically begin to, to slow down while you're texting. Hello. 
you know, you know, get hay tail, then you don't have to text. You just push the button and talk. And, and you know, all kinds of stuff. Well, see, your your non-cognitive mind is not your subconscious. It's stuff that you're actually literally momentarily aware of. But that's that's the target area of the enemy. And he is injecting all kinds of information into your life, into your system that you have to agree with or disagree with. But if you're not really, so that's why the Bible says, take every thought into captivity. It's not easy, but it says take every thought into captivity and make it submit to God. Why? Because if you don't, you'll end up being conformed to this world rather than being transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't know if you've ever read the Bible in Romans 12, but it says here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your everyday life, you're eating, you're sleeping, you're going to work life. That's your offering to God. That's how you worship God by the way you live your everyday life. Right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God's will for your life is good. Look at your neighbor and say, God's will is good. The enemy wants you to think that if you do what God wants you to, that you're going to end up hating life. You're going to end up not really having a good time. Why? Well, because, you know, Christians can't have fun. Christians can't be happy. No, they got to be holy, and holiness is like hell on earth with a jewelry cross thing. How stupid is that? How dumb would God be if he was going to take people who didn't care about other people, make them go to places they don't want to be to tell people they don't care about stuff that those people don't want to hear? It's like God's ultimate plan to frustrate all of humanity. And we buy into it that if I surrender to God, I'm not going to have fun. I'm not going to enjoy life. The Bible says in John 10, 10, Jesus came that you might have and enjoy life in abundance to the top till it overflows. God's will for your life is good. It's good. It's acceptable. In other words, it is the only thing you should be willing to accept is God's plan for your life. You, sh you should reject any other idea, if it doesn't line up with God's word, nah, I'm going to pass. But look at how good it looks. Look at how pretty it looks. Look at the pack. Now nah, I'm going to pass. Why? Because I'm waiting on God's will for my life. If you're here this morning and, and you're, you're, you're single, you're young, and, and, and you're sitting on the front row with one of my boys, uh, <laughs> or you're anywhere near that mindset, if you're single, listen to me. I'm just mean and I had to throw that out. I'm not really a... a but, but listen, you want who God has for you. You don't want anybody else. I'll be your friend. I'll, I'll be your, you know, great buddy. I'll, you know, but I'm not taking anything into my life that I don't know is God's will. Because God's will for my life is all I'm willing to accept. Why? Because God's plan for me is way better than anything I could come up with on my own. Why? Because it's perfect. God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. That's Romans 12, 2. It's good, acceptable, and perfect. What does the word perfect mean? Lacking nothing. Perfect, complete. 
But the enemy doesn't want you to think that way. See, the enemy doesn't want you to think that God's plan for your life would be any good. All my friends will think I'm weird. Well, how stupid are your friends? Well, maybe we should talk about that. You know, I should probably do a whole series on that. Hi, I have dumb friends. Because, because I choose to live for God, my friends aren't going to like me. Those are your friends? I mean, what are you going to do to them? Uh, your friends, they, they, to be with them, to just hang out, you, what, you have to be drunk? That should be a clue right there that we can't even get along unless we're high. Those aren't your friends. And your picture of serving God is messed up. I said, your picture of serving God might, might be wrong. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all about you, isn't it? <laughs> the enemy wants you to think wrong. He wants you to think that serving God, that you won't have anything, that you're going to lose everything. That, and that's a lie. See, I, today, what I want you to know is that you, the first thing you've got to do, I, I really believe this, that the first thing, see, I do not believe that you can serve God Walk in his plan for your life and not prosper. You've got to prosper. So the first thing I want to talk to you about the way you think is about prosperity. Oh, we're in a prosperity church. Oh, were you hoping for a poverty church? Yeah, we're, we believe in prosperity. When we talk about prosperity, we're not talking about money. What's a prosperous church? That's a church that's bringing in masses of souls. Souls to the kingdom. And had, reaching to the jaws of hell and rescuing, hurting, suffering humanity. Hello? If you're not prospering, you're not in the plan of God. Now, you might have a season where, you know, you go through a financial storm or something. But there's a difference between a season and a lifestyle. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to sow a mindset, a belief system. And he's done it really effectively in America that if you serve God, one, you're not going to have any fun. Two, life's going to be miserable. God's going to make you do stuff that you don't want to do. That, that is a poverty mentality. You know, poverty doesn't start in your bank account. It starts in your head. Third John 2. Put it up. Check it out. Everybody say, it's the Bible. Oh, come on. Everybody say, it's the Bible. Beloved, I pray. You don't have to repeat everything I say. Just stuff it you. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Beloved, I, you know the King James says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. That's kind of an interesting statement if you think about it. The writer is saying, Above everything I can pray for, here's what I'm praying, that you'd prosper, that you'd be in health. Well, why, couldn't he, why, why didn't he say, Above anything that I'm praying for you, I'm just praying that you would be nice. Uh, above anything that we can pray for, we'd pray. We're praying that you, that you just speak in tongues. That, 
I pray that you'll read your Bible. No, he said, above everything I pray for, I pray that you prosper. Why? So that your life actually demonstrates a difference from without God and with God. You'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Your soul is the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you make your choices. You know, poverty will make you serve money. Because every decision you make is based upon money. So in Matthew 6 where it says no one can serve two masters, the word serve is yield in obedience to. You can't yield in obedience to God and money. So in order to free yourself from yielding in obedience to money, you're going to have to have some. I don't know why it's so, it's so hard. You start telling people God wants you to prosper, and they want to argue. You want to get upset, and, well, you're not going to make me prosper. Makes me so mad. He thinks we should prosper. Oh, yeah, you're the one with the dumb friends. I forgot. You have to prosper in the way you think. It's all about the way you think. It's all about the way you see things, the way you feel, your emotions. You do realize that words turn into thoughts. Thoughts turn into emotions. Emotions make your choices. Choices determine your actions. Actions determine your habits. Habits develop your character. Character determines your final outcome. See, your final outcome is not based upon what's going on around you. It's what's taking place in you. You might have a moment where the wind's blowing. That don't mean nothing. That ain't, that, that's just nothing. What final outcome, the only end result that you can sustain is determined by your character. And your character, that's determined by your, you know, you know what? That's determined by your habits, what you do without thinking. What you do in the moment when, when life comes so fast that you don't have time to think, that's a habit. And that habit, the only way you can develop a habit is to have consistent actions. And those consistent actions are only the product of choices, hopefully good ones. And your choices, every one you make, are based out of emotion, how you feel about it, how you see it. If you think wrong, you're going to see wrong. If you see wrong, you're going to live wrong. If you think right, you're going to see right. If you see right, you're going to live right. It's all about your emotions. It's about the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you make your choices. Hell is fighting to maintain control of your soul. And if you don't begin to prosper in your soul, I don't care how much back you got, how much cheddar is in, you know, the closet, how, how many $100 bills you got hidden in your Bible that you put over there so knowing that nobody will ever look there to find it. You can have a million dollars, but you'll have a $1.3 million problem. Prosperity is not about your bottom line. Prosperity is about your soul. And if you don't prosper in the soul, poverty always starts in, in the head, in the heart. You know, not too long ago, it was in the streets of Haiti, and we're walking around, and we're dealing with people, and, and you know, and at the table at night when I'm there with a bunch of preachers, and they're talking about, okay, what, if, if you get the opportunity to, to teach, to preach, what are you going to talk about? Prosperity. In Haiti? Well, yeah, because they need it. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about how you, how you think. You cannot allow yourself to think that God wants you to stay where you are. If you read the Bible, you're going to find out that the dude that got in trouble was the guy that had a talent given to him by his master but didn't increase it. 
Remember? It's like Matthew 25, go home and study. It, it, to one he gave three, to one he gave two, to one he gave one. And, and the guys that didn't increase, the one guy that didn't increase, he, I love the Amplified, throw that good-for-nothing servant out of here. Well, he's a good man. He's got a good heart. Right. He's just good for nothing. God does not hold you accountable simply for what you possess. He holds you accountable for the potential that's locked inside what you possess. If you're going to be godlike, you're going to increase. And if all you can think of is money, have someone smack you. Because your family should be stronger next year than it is this year. Your body should be more in tune next year than it is this year. Your mind should be sharper. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They mount up with wings as eagles. They run. They don't get weary. They walk. They don't faint. Do you believe your Bible? Life should be getting better. You should have more life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more provision than lack, more health than sickness, more. It's, it's abundantly above and beyond anything that you could ask or think. And you've got to start realizing that God wants me to prosper. You you got to you got to buy into it. You got to I know the plan I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. If it's God's plan to prosper you and you're not going to prosper, then you are living outside of God's plan. You could say you're missing the mark. I could say it. Obviously, you can say nothing. To miss the mark. What is that? To live in sin. Are you hearing me? I, I really want you to hear me. I, I want you to hear my heart. Or you, you just want our money. I don't want your money. I want you to have your money. I want you to have the blessing of God upon your life flowing Heavily, I want you to be able to demonstrate Satan's defeat on a daily basis. I want you to live a lifestyle that is an absolute humiliation to hell. And you can't humiliate hell when hell is humiliating you. God's plan is to prosper you in every realm of your life, and you've got to believe God wants you to prosper because you can't ask God in faith for something that you don't believe is God's will. That's why some people, they're sick and they're going to stay sick because they bought into a stupid lie that says, well, healing might not be for everyone. Well, if you don't believe it's for everyone, then you couldn't possibly ask God to give you what he said he, he had already provided. You can't do it. Why? Because you don't believe him. And the Bible says that if you ask in faith, anything's possible. But if you ask with a double mind, he said, don't let the double-minded man think he's going to get anything from God. Why? Because he's playing craps. Ever been to a roulette table? How many have ever played roulette? Okay, we're praying for you. <laughs> just got it. Sometimes I just have fun. I don't care. Okay, listen. God wants you to prosper. Look at Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. I've done a word study on the word rich. 
You know what it means? It means rich. How many believe that he's the prince of peace? How many believe he is my peace? The Bible says he is our peace. He has broken down some of the walls. I'm sorry, what? Oh, every wall. He has broken down every wall. He is my peace. He is peace, the prince of peace. Shalom, shalom. He is peace. God is peace. Jesus is peace. He's the peace. And what a lot of us will do is we'll settle for a removal of static or chaos, a, a removal of noise. We'll accept that as peace. That is not what peace is. You really, you really got to dive in here, guys. The word peace means nothing missing, nothing broken, total, complete, sound in body and in mind, healthy, wealthy, and blessed. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Well, I don't think God wants me to be rich. Don't worry, you won't be. But the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. I'm not talking about dollar signs. I don't want to remove finances from the equation, but I'm certainly not going to allow the equation to be summed up with dollars. No, why? Because in order for our body to be prosperous, to, to, we, it means fruitful, multiplied fruit. I'm, I'm believing God for thousands of souls being brought into the kingdom. I, th I think it's awesome that we look right behind us and, you know, we provided them a, a, a million meals and, and we had 2,500 people in the parking lot. That's cool. Wait until it's 10 million meals. Wait until when we, when we opened the parking lot and it was Kennewick, all of them were in the parking lot. Richland, Tricent, you know, that's what I'm talking about. The deal is that if you don't believe God wants you to prosper, you'll stay right where you are. And you've got to understand, God wants you to prosper. Don't let the enemy lie to you and get you to live embarrassed. Well, I, you know, I probably shouldn't believe God for too much. Look, if you get out of control, you not you don't have to worry about wildfire too much. There's enough wet blankets to take care of that. If you, if you get to living way out there and pressing in, you, you, you're just getting too big for your britches, we'll help you. The, the deal is, most of you just got to start believing in yourself. God has called you out of darkness. Darkness is the lack of enlightenment. God has called you out of darkness, translated you into the marvelous light of his dear son. Light. Look, He's not a GE light bulb. Light is enlightenment, understanding, revelation, insight, the ability to see what you could not see before. 
before, before you had Christ, it's easy to understand why you saw prosperity as something beyond your reach. But now that you are enlightened, it's very difficult to understand why you don't see that what God came and sent his son to bring into your life, that you're, not, that you're supposed to have it. It's, it. You can't live in the darkness. You've been called out of darkness. And you need to be enlightened. God wants me to prosper. Which brings us to point two, which should be, I choose to agree with God. I will submit to God. Look at James. James says, be subject to God. Be subject to God. Be subject to God. Look at your neighbor and say, be subject to God. The, the, the old English word, submit. That's not a real popular word in today's culture. Submission sucketh. That, that's the lie that the enemy wants you to buy into. That, that if, you're, you, you know, if you're in submission to somebody, that means that you, you're cowering down. No, that's not what it means. Submission. Two missions coming to become one. Submission. A lot of us think that we live submitted lives, but we don't because when we get mad and you know, we get bothered, when we no longer agree, we leave. See, a husband and wife suddenly start to disagree, so they end the marriage. Why? Because there was no submission. Why, why isn't there? Because we have, we have a wrong belief system of what submission is. See, submission doesn't really start until you disagree. Because prior, prior to disagreement, you're just in agreement. But once you step into submission, okay, I choose to agree. I think you're wrong. But I'm going to agree with you. Why? Because there's a power in submission that is not in agreement. Think about this for just a minute. The Bible says if any two of you agree on earth is touching anything, our Heavenly Father, he'll do anything. That's pretty powerful. Well, there's a power greater than agreement. It's the power of submission. Look at it. If you submit to God, that's how you resist the devil. That's how you take a stand, you know, a firm stand against him. How do you take a firm stand against the devil? You submit to God. In other words, you choose to believe God even when in your heart you don't even want to. I'm going to tell you a truth this morning that's really hard for some people to wrap their brain around, but just try to, you know, maybe think about it when you get home today. But there's a lot of stuff in the Bible I don't agree with. I know you agree with all of it. But there's a lot of stuff in the Bible I don't agree with. I, I struggle with love thy neighbor. I guarantee you my neighbor struggles with it. <laughs> but I, I'm not talking about the guy next door. I'm talking about, in, in all honesty, it's hard for me to deal sometimes with anybody else because I just want to live for me. I like me, and I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it, as long as I want it. And I think that everybody should be in agreement with that. But I have to choose to submit to God and say, you know what? I'm going to live for others. I guarantee you the fact that I'm here right now is because of submission to God. I just, well, what happens when I submit to God? I take a firm stand against the devil. The devil wants me to live for myself. See, if you don't submit to God, I hope you don't prosper. 
But if you understand God wants you to prosper and you learn how to stand against the enemy, by the way, the power of submission, health runs from you when you choose to agree with God, especially in areas where you didn't want to. Because now health realizes that not only will you do what you want, but you'll do what God wants even when you don't want to. Now hell's got to run from you because it loses its power over you. But here's the deal is that if you could understand this, if you can realize, one, God wants me to prosper. Two, I agree with God. And three, because I'm going to be living God's plan. See, it's prosperity with a purpose. It's not about you. See, the enemy knows if he can keep you in poverty, he can probably keep your kids in poverty. And he'd probably keep your kids, kids, living in poverty. And there'll be so much lack that lack will actually master your generations. Every decision that you make, your kids make, and your kid kids make, if it might be dictated by lack, by what they don't have. So poverty will rule and reign. It's sad to think, but there's some people in the room here right now that the one seated upon the throne of their life is the prince of poverty. John the Revelator had a vision. He said, I beheld heaven and the gates were open. And he talked about lightning and thundering. That was just a, a light show with, uh, you know, overdrive on the guitars. They were having worship. And, and he said, Be, I beheld a throne, one throne, and one was seated upon that throne. And here's the deal is in your life, there's only one throne. Only one can be seated upon that throne. That's why in Matthew, Jesus said, you've got to pick one. You can't serve two. And on the, on the throne of some of our hearts and some of our lives, it's not the prince of peace that rules and reigns. It's the prince of poverty. Because every decision we make is based upon lack rather than abundance. And if you don't address that issue in your life, I'm here today to tell you I love you too much to let you wander through life in the dark. If you don't address that issue, you cannot successfully serve God. You're not a follower of Christ if every decision you make is determined by lack. You're serving the wrong master. So I have to, one, I have to know God wants me to prosper. Number two, I have to submit to God. And number three, I have to understand his plan. That prosperity is not about me. It's about what God can do through me. Look at Isaiah 32, 18. My people, everybody say my people. This is what we pray over your house every week. We're assuming that you are God's people. That would have been a great place to say amen. Okay. <laughs> we are God's people. You are God's people. God's talking about you here. My people shall dwell in a peaceful Habitation, a peaceable habitation. Again, go study peace. You're going to live in a habitation where nothing's missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, everything's perfect, soundness of mind and body. That's where you live. God said that's where my people will live. That's what we pray over your life every day. Every week we pray this over you. God, I just thank you that we are your people and that these people, and we're naming your families. And, you know, I, I just thank you that Jim and Della Buell, Father, that they are your children. 
and that they live in a position to, to, to win and succeed in every realm of life, that they are, they are sound in mind and in body. They are sound in mind. Sometimes we prophesy. They're sound in mind and in body. That there's nothing missing in their life, nothing broken, that they walk in the blessing of God. God, we would pray that, that they have a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. You know, literally, if you study that one verse, that one verse and, and, and lay out the foundation, of it means that you're going to live with such a huge confidence because you know that you, you can't be defeated. That's how secure this is. When the wind blows, you go, so what? When the storms come, you... I don't, there are not enough words in the English dictionary to tell you how much we don't care about what the enemy's throwing at us. Your house burnt down. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Because six months from now, we'll be better off than we were before. I'm not thankful for everything, but in everything. It don't make any difference what's going on. Guys, come on. Quit. Some of you, you're so attached to your circumstances that if people don't care about your circumstances, you think they don't care about you. Pastor doesn't care that we're going, you know, that we have this. Pastor doesn't believe that you have it. Pastor believes that you're bigger than that. Pastor believes that at halftime, some of you, some of us, we're not at halftime. We're not, we haven't even finished the first quarter yet. That we need to start playing like we're winners. Come on, guys. Look at your neighbor and tell him, God wants you to prosper. Look at Proverbs 11.10. One more verse and we're getting out of here. Proverbs 11.10. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there's shouts of joy. So when's the city going to be happy? When you're living or when you're dead? What's good news to your neighborhood, that you're alive or that you're passing away. If you live God life, you're going to prosper. The city rejoices. Why? Because your prosperity is not about you. It's about everybody that comes in contact with you. What God's doing in you ain't, ain't just for you. It's for everybody. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. But the wicked, what it is, again, it ain't, it ain't a bank account balance, guys. It's a mindset. That you, that you live to give. You live to sow. That you, you live to make a difference. That you realize my life matters. People are going to be blessed. Hundreds of families this year are going to be blessed because of you. Phone lines are... You know, no strings attached. No strings attached. That's how we do it, right? Remember, free market. Now we're getting ready for, for uh, what do we call it? Adopt a family. We're, we're, hundreds of families. How, how many food baskets are, did we order? 125 total Christmas dinners. Now we're, we're going to get the, the, you know, the stuff together, and we're going to provide Christmas presents and everything for hundreds of people. No strings attached. Well, what if they take advantage of the system? What system? I, I miss that sometimes. 
And I got to remind myself, I got to tell you something. The phone, you know, come in this week earlier, and, and the phones are just going off the hook, and we know why they're calling. And I'm thinking, oh, gee, some of these people. And then I, rem- I got to remind myself, oh, yeah, that's why we're here to bless as many as we can, as much as we can, as often as we can. Right? Just, just want to just bless the socks off of people who don't deserve it. Hello? Why? Well, because we're prospering. And when we prosper, the city gets better. I don't want them happy when we finally fail. I want the city rejoicing because life is pumping through our veins. When the, when the righteous prosper, people get happy. I hope they're not all sitting around waiting for you to pass out so that they can begin to have some peace in life. That's the church I went to when I was a kid. I don't want to rebuild that. God wants you to prosper. You need to agree with God. Submit to God. And hook up to his plan for your life. So he can flow through you so that others can be blessed. See, here's why hell doesn't want you to prosper. Here's why hell is attracted to you. Because if you ever connect with your destiny, it's bigger than you. We're not talking about you. We're talking about the hundreds, maybe thousands of lives that are going to be impacted because of you, through you, by you. God wants you to prosper, to impact Tri-Cities. God wants you to prosper so we can change the state of Washington. God wants you to prosper so that we can impact the entire United States, so that we can reach around the world. God wants you to prosper because he can't fulfill his plan without blessing you. See, the promise to Abraham is that ye would be blessed and that by thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. When God thinks about you, he thinks pretty big. I said when God thinks about he thinks big. He looks at you and he says, you know what? There's some people I can trust. There's some people I can put destiny in their hands. They'll live bigger than themselves. Guys, we're out of time. The reality is, is I, we can spend all day, I can prove to you scripturally, over and over and over and over and over again, that prosperity is God's plan. You just fed a million people. And that's awesome, but it's just a drop in the bucket to what God wants to do in your life. He doesn't need you to show him that you can feed a million. He needs you to see that that's just the beginning. How'd you like to change the entire world? Because God's sitting on the edge of his throne this morning. He's going, oh, come on. You, can, you, can, can you believe me? I, I want you to prosper. I'll, in, the, in the process, you're going to enjoy life. You're going to have good things, but it's not about you just getting good stuff. It's about God flowing through your life to develop his plan. See, the peace that we have with God is through a covenant. 
It's a covenant of peace. How do we get it? Through relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to close your book, and we're going to pray here in just a minute. And As we close today, we're going to pray that people who have been separated from peace, prosperity, that they be connected. Some of us have tried to live life without a relevant relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't win living life that way. God's got a plan for you. It's a good plan. It's good. God's plan for your life is good. God wants to make your life gooder. God's plan is acceptable. It's the only thing you should be willing to accept. You shouldn't accept any other life than the one that God carved out for you. Because the one that he's got for you is perfect. Totally complete. It's lacking nothing. He's overlooked every detail. I love Acts 16, 31 in the message. It says, put your entire trust in the master Jesus and you'll live life the way you're supposed to and your whole house too. When you live God life, it ends up blessing everybody in your life. See, God's plan is not just about you. It's bigger than you. But it starts with you. In just a minute, we're all going to pray a prayer together. Go ahead and close your eyes, bow your head. We're all going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But if you're here today, and you say, you know what, Tom? I want a real relationship with God, so I'm willing to get real with God. I want to accept God life today. We're all going to pray, but if this prayer is for you, and you say, I want to make this personal, this is my prayer today, I want you right where you are. Just hold your hand up so I can see it. Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Greatest thing, greatest decision you are ever going to make right here. Here it is. Yeah, I, I want the life that God has for me. That's what I want. And I'm praying this prayer today. This is, Pastor, this is, this is me talking to God. Include me in this prayer. If that's you, real quick, we're going to pray. This is where it all starts, guys. It's awesome. Everybody in the room, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. I need peace. Remove the chaos. Give me vision. Give me strength. Give me hope. And I will live for you. I choose to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for saving me, setting me free. In Jesus' mighty name.